Hello and welcome back to B2Beast, the best place to collect killer ideas for big business. And today we've got a beast in the building. He is a B2B marketing operations expert, a guest lecturer on the subject for universities around the world, and the VP of strategy for Find Your Audience, where he helps mid-sized businesses build and scale elite marketing teams. Please welcome Nathan Young. Thank you, Travis. Excellent intro. Yes. Welcome. Welcome. Glad to have you here, brother. Thank you. Thank you for sharing your time. Uh, starting off here, where are you tuning in from and what are you most grateful for right now in your life, your business, anything? Let us know what's up over there. Uh, so I live in between Vancouver and Toronto. So right now I'm actually in Toronto because if you've ever seen any of my clips, I usually got green lights behind me. I don't have that in Toronto. Um, and what am I grateful for? I mean, friends, you got great friends in your life. You got, you got the, the core, the core onion slice. You know what I like to talk about? Um, having, having those people around you, having those people push you, having those people support you. I can't, can't emphasize how important that is in life and um, deeply kind of appreciate that more and more every, every year I grow. Oh, love it. Love it. Yeah. Fully su support that, especially the deeper I've discovered business and entrepreneurship, the more that becomes so vital because uh, in most cases, unless you get really lucky with your original core group of friends, uh, it's often far more isolating to be a deeper into building business and entrepreneurship. You start pulling away from that. So brilliant to hear, yeah, that those relationships and friendships are still top of mind. Uh, so let's start tapping into your story. It's been fun to discover and learn uh, your world from afar. So let's try to spotlight and capture what is your story. And we can capture either the most exciting win of your career and kind of what you've been building, or if you want to pull out something that maybe was uh, a little more devastating, a failure that kind of launched you or brought you to this moment, what is your story and what lessons can we start learning in um, this? We'll tap into after. I, I think my coolest story was actually really how I started my professional career. So at the age of 21, I was very lucky, and I mean this, um, very lucky to land a VP of finance role in China. And that was not through like traditional means. That was like pure hustle. It's a long story, but like back then the iPhones just launched and no one could get iPhones and China people wanted the iPhones from North America because China iPhones were locked. And I literally bought two iPhones because I had one of my friends pull like the biggest heist ever. She didn't scan in the inventory I picked up the two iPhones and I kid you not, two weeks later, or actually even maybe a week later, I flew to Shanghai, didn't tell my parents. Um, I flew to Shanghai, I knocked on this guy's door. I was like, you had people all across North America looking for iPhones. I got you the iPhones. I want a job. And I got my job. So I was working for him. And then ultimately he was like, hey, we need this role. Do you think you could do it? I was like, sure. And honestly, it was a grind. So for a year and a half, I was flying all around China, uh, United States. I was fundraising and I was a VP of finance at the age of 21. And honest to God, it was 
some of the scariest meetings I've ever had. Um, I, went, I was working with Guy Carlton Fitzgerald. I presented in Shanghai. I wore fake glasses because people oh, were like, yeah. I don't trust this guy. Um, and and it was like, it was an incredibly humbling experience, but like it really just like, you know, like really propelled me into the future. Um, and I think it, it kind of helped me shape what, what I do for marketing right now, because after that, I was a management consultant for a couple of companies and really transitioning them into different industries. And I got into marketing from there. So my lens for marketing isn't a creative lens. So I don't come from a traditional marketing background, even though I graduated with a marketing degree. Um, so I actually went kind of like really off course and then I kind of navigated back into course. And I think that's like probably one of the most fun stories I have. Um, and more importantly, just showing that, you know, I didn't come from like a degree. I didn't come from all these things. Almost all my experience have come from hustle. Wow. That is probably the, one of the most interesting ways I've seen somebody open the door. Uh, I think that's one of the, the challenges, especially even with this show and especially the higher, higher up the food chain we go in, in B2B, uh, just opening the door is 80, 90% of the problem. Like, um, and the fact that there are technically, we always just think the traditional email DMs, call them, oh, call their executive assistant. I'm really going to change things up. But everybody's thinking that. Nobody's thinking, go, go home, become an iPhone smuggler and, <laughs> and land a VP role at 21. Absolutely amazing. I think it really just shows uh, the power of going against the grain and doing um, things a little bit different, mad, mad respect there. Um, so what did that transition look like then after you started pulling away from this finance world, these big name boardrooms uh, that you were hanging out in, uh, what was pulling you now towards marketing and operations and building these elite teams that, that you're known for doing now? I think it was just on you know when I was when I was working with these companies I was transitioning them into new markets. I just fundamentally always saw that there was a gap, and the gap was you, we could identify the white space and and the white space is just an area of opportunity, and there was no way to translate that very well into the service or product because the teams weren't very big or they or they didn't really have someone who wore a marketing hat, and so I think there's just a massive disconnect between those that advise marketing and those that execute marketing. And so it, it becomes kind of a, a, a really you know useless process. So you have someone who's really intelligent. I'm not going to say that's going to be me, but just whoever, whoever, whoever you decide to hire comes in, builds this beautiful plan, really thinks about it very thoroughly, identifies a great opportunity, and then you go give it to the cheapest possible outsourcer person in the world. And and then and then the worst part is Travis, I get the flack because they're like Nate, your uh, your 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 strategy sucks. I was like, um, no, you just hire someone who really has never executed before. And I think the the biggest thing that's become even more and more prevalent in marketing, uh, and this is the one thing I want every listener to to really think about: marketing is the only job in the last call it five to maybe even eight years where every year we get slammed with a new technology or a new thing that becomes our responsibilities of the department. You know, the accounting department, that doesn't change. You get some accounting things change once in a while. Tax changes once in a while, but you pay another advisor to do that. 
you know, sales is pretty much the same, but marketing, it's like, no, no, no. You got to deal with privacy. You got to deal with the tech stack. You got to deal with data enrichment. Oh, by the way, you have to write all these things. Oh, by the way, we want video. Oh, by the way, we need to do a podcast. It's like, okay, so, so the marketing department every year gets like a brand new responsibility. So marketing operations is becoming a thing because it's not just direct mail and magazine ads anymore. Right. It's, it's all of these things. And then, and then there's been more and more of a blend into technology. So now marketing needs to be technical experts, right? We need to be the ones that also help and assist in terms of the technical implementation. So, so like marketing was just like this creative thing before. Now it's really becoming like a heavy operation thing because we have to take care of so many more things. And that's really where I started to see a great opportunity. And that's where I really wanted to be because I was frustrated as an advisor. Great ideas, poor execution. I want to do it all now. Wow. This is, I, I love it uh, because it really is one of those things. It's like, you don't realize, people don't realize the level of work or complexity. Yeah, I'm really attached to it. Um, like you're mentioning, it evolves at like lightning speed. So those that can evolve, adapt. Um, and then when it comes to team building, now there's a whole nother element of, of talent retention, younger talent, creative ideas. Like it's very much not an easy thing to just get a seasoned sales salesperson that knows the drill <laughs> or, or, uh, the best, best accountants. Like it's difficult to build and evolve in real time. So let's explore, uh, your, your vision of a team. We're in a weird uh, realm in marketing where there's lots of, because of what you're saying, there's now fractional marketing individuals, departments that just like basically just give the whole marketing, uh, department its own lane and its own category. What do you feel like is the ideal structure, like have to have roles, um, in these teams? So Usually, so I've I've done some lectures and some kind of things for for a couple of venture capital firms, and one of the things I like to really explain is it depends on the maturity of the function. Um, so I like to kind of base this on the the chart of like where are you in terms of revenue, where are you in terms of capturing the market, and I think fundamentally, um, there's some industries where you do want to go brand, um, and that's really retail kind of consumer type products like brand does play a, a massive role when it comes to b2b stuff um or kind of like maybe technical b2c stuff i really think a product marketer is probably one of the best things because for me there's and i'm not going to name any names but there's often i come to the companies where i'm like i can put lipstick on the pig but i'm still selling a really bad pig so the product needs a bit of work and and they kind of forget that marketing plays this key role in driving some decisions. And sometimes that's from a technical founder, but often if it's not from a technical founder, it's really coming from a product marketer who's really driving a very strong cadence around, I need customer feedback and I really need to drive a great product. And the feature and that roadmap needs to be based on that customer feedback loop. And that is then going back to the sales team and ensuring they are also trained and knowing to bring that. So I think number one thing that I think for most technical products, you got to have a product marketer. And that product marketer is also the person that's going to be creating sales enablement tools for you because that person is also a person that understands the tool and understands the customer. So it's a great bridge in ensuring that the sales enablement tools are as good as they can be. Um, and then you can kind of start looking at getting into a demand generator and all these things. 
But generally speaking, unless you're like a product-led company straight from the get-go, like we're talking about bootstrappy type founders, um, you know, usually there's a sales team. Usually that person needs to be enabled. And the way I like to look at it is a product marketer is like that right hand to that salesperson. So start with the product marketer. Then you want to look into demand generation. And then if you cross the chasm, you, you know, you, you know, this product market fit, you've got traction, then start looking at brand because that's, that's where awareness is going to start differentiating you. You want to be top of mind for your customers. Um, and when you're top of mind, it, there's a huge leverage point from doing that. Fine. This is powerful. This is brilliant because you really have a unique perspective, especially from the inside and recognizing uh, the true challenges and then also the true opportunities that really are at hand here. So love seeing that product focused, uh, product focused individual kind of leading the charge there first and then letting the rest of the dominoes fall. Absolutely brilliant. Um, and it mentioned, you mentioned a key piece that I think is also becoming a new evolution and especially in B2B is now sales and marketing are becoming this hybrid world and some people are loving it. Some people think like the world is collapsing and, they're, and they, they don't know what to do with now that sales and marketing is becoming much more of an integrated role and or department. So I'm curious to hear from your world and your stories. Uh, do you have a, and maybe perhaps any horror stories of, of sales versus marketing or the opposite, any glorious opportunities of stuff that are emerging of companies or teams doing this right? There are some really interesting models that I've run into, such as, um, you know, the marketing team actually having their own kind of appointment setting um, SDR team, so a qualifying team. Um, and that's actually owned by the marketing person. And that's kind of interesting, right? Because if you think about it, like a lot of times on a KPI perspective, we get measured on something called MQLs. And one of the driving factors is making sure our MQL and SQL uh, conversion rates are good. Um, and that's an indication of quality. But we actually have no power to push the sales team to increase the velocity of response times to actually respond to the inbound leads. That's predominantly our job, if you really think about it, because we actually know in real time when our leads come through, but I don't actually have control or actually really like maybe some insight of some, some oversight as to how that SDR team or whoever is actually qualifying that person. Um, but, but ultimately like usually it's kind of like, okay, here you go sales. Um, but then we get measured on the conversion rate because that that's an indication of quality. Uh, so there's a really interesting blend there. Um, the other things that I think are also interesting is, um, so I'll, I'll preface that scale causes problems. So you start to see as like, you start to see call it hunting and, and, and account management problems when you get to a larger size, because you need to do more. And when you need to do more, you kind of need to focus on what you're best at. And so in the larger organization, it is becoming interesting to see that also marketing is taking care of hunting, which means we take care of the technical implementation of actually doing online prospecting and all that TAM work to actually get those lists because it's very technical. And usually the salespeople aren't technical. I'm not saying that all salespeople aren't technical, but you know, if there's a full department of people that you pay for to get your sales force implemented, I could say that, that you know, there are some technical implementations in like marketing stack and sales stack stuff. So um, we, we, have, we have started doing more and more prospecting stuff, which means like a lot of email infrastructure, sending out the emails on behalf of the sales teams, 
um, and doing all the cadences. And that's literally not something that they touch anymore. Um, so that's something really coming, you know, into like a headwind or sorry, I look at a point in the future. So I feel like sales and marketing are almost becoming a blended CRO role, um, you know, like a chief revenue officer role where you're, you're looking for someone who actually really just focuses on our revenue. And it doesn't matter if it's outbound or inbound and all these like lovely trying to like, we try to make this like hard, fast rule of like what marketing is supposed to do and what sales does, but ultimately it's just revenue. Um, and you know, if you're going to ask me, what do I do 99% of the time, 99% of the time I look at what can I do versus trying to enforce my philosophies. Um, we do generally want to be an entity that like maximizes the productivity or sales team. So some people are like, oh, well, Nate, you got, you got no KPIs. But I'm like, yeah, I'm like doubling or tripling the productivity of your account management team or your sales team, right? Because they're not touching their PowerPoints. Yeah. They're not writing anything. They're literally engaged in literally the best thing they're supposed to be doing, which is like making our customers feel like heard and making sure that we're solving their problems. And that's all I want them to do. And they're doing that by phone or presentation or webinar or whatever, but they're not touching anything else. Right. And that's kind of like one of the main things I come to. It's like marketing isn't just about inbound. Marketing is also about like doubling or tripling the productivity of your sales team. Wow. Love, love, love hearing this because a lot of, especially the more stagnant in the company the more old school they're, they're just used to looking at their monthly numbers there. <laughs> and, uh, it's becoming, we, especially in this digital realm and dark social theories, uh, very difficult to attribute where anything is coming from, from somebody's LinkedIn post, then a follow-up on a podcast, and then a TikTok video they saw, and then they emailed you after. And you're like, good luck tracking that one. Like, no way. <laughs> and and Trevor, I want to add a point to that. You're talking about attribution. For yeah. anyone here that thinks your 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 key to success is attribution, I want to leave this one bit. Unless you're going to tell me consumer privacy is going to stay stagnant, or in fact, we're actually going to be happier with less privacy in the world. I need you to know that the more you invest into attribution the more you're going to be running up a hill that's going to be sliding. Because every day, every every year, we're going to have new privacy rules, more privacy mechanisms. Apple is going to come up with something. Every single year, you're going to face one more challenge about how you can attribute. So just think about the attribution issue when you want to invest in it. And on top of that, even if you want attribution right now, even with the best stack, unless you have a fully closed loop. So the best example I give, Starbucks, Starbucks app. Full, fully attributable. So unless you're doing a Starbucks app, you ain't going to get one-to-one attribution. You're not taking the payment. You don't have their app ID. You don't have their phone. Like if you don't have that closed loop system, you're not going to get attribution. You're going to get a, a theoretical attribution. And that in, is a great trending thing to measure, but it's not absolute. So if you want absolute, I'm telling you, it, it's, it's an expensive endeavor and it's going to be going into the grain in the long run. Gold. So much gold. I'm loving it already. Uh, would love to now take this one level further into your specific approach and in understanding how you bring all of this methodology and all of these concepts that I am very much resonating with. I'm buzzing over here. This I wish we heard more of this. 
Um, but let's tap into your secret sauce. So your specific system or process or strategy for building these teams, uh, what exactly does that look like and what like homework or, or checklist can we, can we build for business owners and, or CMOs, CEOs that are right at this level of needing to either build a hybrid team or the siloed one or hire a CRO or, or whatever, what is your approach, um, to that process and, and how can we kind of give some, some checklist homework for the listeners here? So, so before building the team, let's talk about, you know, what, what do we need to focus at? Because I think that's like the hardest thing. People, Perfect. people are like, what do we, where do we focus? And there's kind of two things that I focus on. One is what I call the customer journey. And, and at, I find your audience and myself, I, I kind of have this idea. I simplify a complex things. And so I, I like to say, look, a customer journey is just is, is, a, is a journey from zero to a hundred. And there's, there's, there's dozens, uh, maybe even a hundred touch points. I think Google produced something that said, you know, it took over like, uh, like 20 plus weeks or something when someone finally bought the Hyundai that they were looking at, but it was like 72 touch points between there. So the reality is, is you have all these touch points that influence, whether it's this podcast, whether it's a forum post, whether it's a friend or a niece or cousin or whatever, just talking to you, whether it's a video on YouTube, whether that's like a display ad you see in the corner of your eye, we all have these touch points. And I think the easiest way is just talk to your stakeholders and your team and go through like this anecdotal, anecdotal, very clear, anecdotal, not scientific. Don't, don't invest for the scientific. Okay? Just start with the anecdotal. What do you think this customer journey really looks like? Does it start with Google? Does it start with a form? Does it start with a referral? And then be honest with yourself. What one of these touch points do you think influences things? So start assigning some values. One point here, negative five points here, 75 points here, 25 points. Figure out this journey, okay? And then from there, I need you to think about two things. What is sustainable? What is practical? What is sustainable is, can you do it for a long time? What is practical? Can you do it well? Then look at the map and go, these are the tactics that we know is both sustainable and practical for us to execute on. And that's where you start. So whether that's webinars, whether that's going to conferences, whether that's pounding the phones, whether that's sending out emails, whether that's being on LinkedIn and generating content, whatever it is, that's where you're going to focus. And the reason I say this is you're going to spread yourself thin. You're not going to execute well. You want to get the benefit of every channel. And that only comes when you're, uh, you're upwards past 80% of the execution. And that means you got to be focused because I can guarantee you right now, if you're having this conversation, you're resource constrained, right? Every person doesn't have four or five million dollar budgets to have a full team and to do everything they want. You're, you're constrained. So do what is most sustainable and practical for your organization. Now, now you've gone to the point where you're doing that. Now you got to expand. So go back to the anecdotal map. That's, that's where you're going to hire, right? You, you're going to be like, I know that SEO, that's like always number one. You know, we didn't, we, we couldn't do that when we started. Okay. I'm, I'm, a, I'm a founder. I'm really good at sales. I'm really good at conferences. So I'm just, I'm going, I'm going to focus on that. I'm going to have a good website at least, but I'm not going to focus on SEO. I don't have time to write content. I don't have an expert. So your first step is, okay, I've maximized my conference strategy and my tactic and I've executed well on that. I'm, I'm capping out. I got to increase my channel. So, so let's start engaging the channel of SEO. So start looking for a content person, 
start looking for someone who has the ability to do that. And that's likely going to be freelance. Do not hire someone full-time. It's a waste of time. You're not going to be able to do it, right? Get that scaled up. Then once you figure that out, that process out, then you can start moving into other things, right? Going back to this map always. How are you going to execute well on this map? And you know, sooner or later, you're going to have to do demand generation. You're going to have to do ads, but you're going to have to have an expert to do that. So that's the, the process kind of do the channel well, do the tactic well. Once you feel good operationally, then move to a new channel. That's that's usually how I like to do it. So much gold here again. That's like a little CMO power course here we just stole. Uh, <laughs> thank you. Uh, I think that order of operations really resets the proper priorities. It's so easy to get pulled to the, the shiny object syndrome, dozens of channels, this, that. Um, so focusing on what really is practical, sustainable and working and, and cranking it up. Um, brilliant, brilliant approach. So that we will definitely, um, be utilizing. So let's tap into now your personal side. Clearly, uh, you're doing something right over there, rocking and rolling. Um, and your day-to-day -day approach or your mindset seems to be in a different frequency than most of these folks. And I'd love to explore and understand that. Um, what does your day look like? What habit or task is non-negotiable for you? Like what pieces of your day just have to be there? Um, and yeah, we can absorb, see what, what the heck is going on over there and, <laughs> and we can unpack it. Um, but what does that look like for you? So, so days pretty busy are like, uh, you know, I'll be honest, the business takes up a lot of time. We've been, we've been growing significantly. Um, but you know, I think, I, I think if there's like one thing that's really non-negotiable is really just learning. Like I'm a, so, you know, I'll give you an example. I can, I can code in Python. I code in HTML. Uh, I have a rule that basically in any function or task within my organization, I have to be able to do it myself, period. So, so like I can do all media buying, I can code a website, I can code little scripts. Um, I can review all of our technical data. I can write the strategy. Like I have a rule. If I can't do it, I shouldn't be selling it as a service. That's just like, like, I feel like that's common sense, but I feel like that doesn't happen all the time. Yeah. Um, and so, so for me, it's just, it's like always learning. And so, you know, obviously having a good cadence on audiobooks. um, obviously like having a good cadence, actually funny enough, like just reading a lot of forums and seeing what's going on. Um, a good example, I used to have a cadence every Sunday. I would actually go through product hunt and I would actually review all the latest technology tools to see what people are making and why. And the reason I do that is because, um, if you look at product hunt, there's a lot of bootstrappers and bootstrappers are all usually finding pain points. And then sometimes I'm curious if those pain points are also pain points in marketing. And so there's yep. sometimes like an alignment. So I had, I had this little process of literally like every Sunday, I'll go through every single product hunt launch in the last week to review all of the, the products that are happening, just to give me an idea of like what's happening in the market or what people think are pain points. Um, I think the other things is, you know, like uh, just, just checking on trends a, a lot of times and, and, and really seeing where things are going. Um, but you know, I, I think it just fundamentally comes down to like learning and, and really executing. I, I, I am certainly on the, the proponent of like, you got it, you got to do it. So, um, I've learned that I try to learn something and I try to just do it regardless of whether or not I think I'm going to be successful. 
And I think that's really important to understanding also, you can't control the outcome, you can just control process. And if you can just start the process, first of all, you're probably already doing better off. So um, I'm, I'm really just like in everything about my life. Um, so last three years, I've been dieting and doing cardio and doing training for the first time, all three. And that's been crazy. Um, and like, I've been training for 16 years and it's just like, oh, wow, like, it really is a lot better when you do all three. Like it's fundamentally like it's like a magnitude better because you go, ah, you know, I can just do cardio and I'll do training. It's fine. It's like, no, you do all three. It's like, bam, you get like three times X return. And it, and it goes back to this whole saying that I, I yeah, I really tr truthfully believe it's like, we are so inherently lazy. I have like a, a little soundbite on that. We're so lazy. We want everything to be simple. But like we never want to take it to that point where like you actually get the, like the actual exponential gains because I feel like the benefit really gets really beneficial when you get to that like upper level of execution of like of like good precision like very good um like precision and accuracy of like expertise and uh, and I feel like that's that's where I like to be sometimes and and I think that's like also somewhere I like to enjoy to be so when I get the time and I can get there like it's it's great wow. No, this uh, makes sense. I had a feeling there was some next level frequencies uh, operating here, um, but it loops right back, especially uh, that research and the product hunt thing to being in tune to that endless evolution. Um, it really doesn't stop in any category, personal, professional business. Um, so love seeing that kind of come full circle with your uh pursuing education as a habit, as a daily task, weekly task, um, really doesn't ever stop. Brilliant, brilliant. And in that, I'd love to hear what that translates into of all of your research and products and everything you've found, what tool or application is a must have for your world, your life or your business? I think, you know, I'm, I, like I really kind of hate saying this because I feel like timing wise when this this gets launched um, it might not be relevant it might be changed already but I think um, the number one thing would be actually getting some coding experience because chat GPT is great but creating scripts from chat GPT to do custom tasks is way better <laughs> it's like it's like a magnitude better um, and so like yeah you can like use ChatGPT in all of its great use cases, but then you can create a script for ChatGPT to read all the top 10 websites from a Google search and summarize it for you. Now, you could do that yourself, but that would take a lot of time. So the nice thing is, is that ChatGPT can fundamentally cut down tasks in terms of, of, of just like time to consume. And that I think is really like a crazy productivity hack. I know there's like these things like auto GPT and there's still a lot of like things that are required to really um, fine tune things. But if you use them in tight use cases, um, they can really change just like how much faster you can consume information. It's kind of like, you know how there's like a lot of like these 10 minute Coles notes about books. This is like 10 minute Coles notes of anything you want. Like think about that. 10 minute Coles notes on like how to become the best chef. Or like whatever you want, like literally whatever you want. Yeah. And you can script that yourself and you can just launch it. And it takes you like 30 minutes. It's crazy. So so I think that's like probably the biggest productivity hack I have right now. Um, 
and you know tool wise or anything else um oh geez you know just just like good health stuff really i i just so i i have a i have a i have a theory of life and the theory of life is um is is everyone has like a hundred percent willpower you wake up with a hundred units of like willpower every day um and then there's like emotional stability is a factor of that so say if you're really unhappy one day you're like operating at 50 percent so so you know 100 times 50 percent equals 50 points and then you plus your knowledge so how much knowledge you gain through your like your life and then that's equal your output and so when you, when you have output you can apply it to knowledge so it is a circular formula and so I think just like if you want to talk about really like hacking your life, um, trying that way to balance your your happiness is like super important because you got to remember like every day you wake up with 100 points. If you're not happy, you can't use all 100 points. You won't be able to use your 100 points, okay? You're going to lose that. Um, so so like apps and everything aside, you can't find that, that level of happiness if you can't um, change your perception of normal. Like you're, you're not going to be productive anyways. It doesn't matter what tool gives you. So I think that's like the one hack, like life-wise that I think everyone's got to learn and, or try their best to learn and be self-aware of. Amen. Now that is one of those, uh, compounding like ROI type of things that when you do have it in lock, like everything else that happens has that increased returns. Um, yeah, for absolutely sure. Absolutely amazing. Loving this. Uh, so we're going to jump into the world's quickest game show ever. Uh, we're going to play this or that. You're going to get two randomly generated options. All you have to do is choose one of them. Uh, and at the end of round three, we we got a special prize for you. Are you ready to play this or that? Yes, sir. All right. Uh, I'll be learning these with you. So <laughs> here we go. Round one. Would you rather have no hair at all? Or hair all over? No hair. No hair. <laughs> that was a very quick response. I love it. Um, all right. Night owl, early bird. Early bird. Okay. All right. All right. Uh, and last one here. Super simple. Rice or pasta? Rice. Oh, of course. That was yeah. Italian, maybe. Oh, I mean, no, no. Let's <laughs> go straight. Oh. Straight to, straight to my, my roots. <laughs> oh, there's no uh, judgment here. I would 100% uh, be on the same team. Well, there you go. You just beat the game, Nathan. Uh, your prize. Why don't you go ahead and share what are you up to right now and how can you help these business owners uh, and executives listening right now? How can they get involved in your world, follow your awesome clips, your life, theories and philosophies as well as uh the business systems and strategies you've been putting forth today how do they start that journey so there's there's a couple of different ways um you know I, I produce content on linkedin every day which is the same content you can see on any of my platforms so um i really say you know you you follow me the way you want to follow you want to follow me on linkedin you'll see the same content if you're an instagram person you can see me at like fya.marketingbytes you can follow me there if you're a TikTok person, you're just like consumed in life on there. You can follow me there. My content's going to be wherever's accessible for you. So you can you can really look me up at Marketing Bytes. Um, the other thing also is is I'm building a, a bit of a community. It's actually called Agency Therapy, um, and it's it, it's 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 really a joke. It's it's really this whole idea that um, 
really driven professionals want to have a safe space to have therapy about their business. Um, and I think it's really important for us to share our experiences and our pain points and really talk to one another about it. So I'm building that community as well. Um, and or, you know, you could just message me. Uh, you could just go ahead on LinkedIn and just cold message me and be like, hey, Nate, like, what's up? I have I have a bit of an issue. Can you give me some insights? Um, I, I, I'm not going to say that I volunteer my time all the time, but I will say that I'm pretty pretty open to giving a lot of time for people that that just need a quick quick two minutes or three minutes of time uh, for me to answer something. So uh, that's that's really all it is. Um, you can find me at www.findyouraudience.online. That's our company website. Um, you can find me on LinkedIn at Nathan Young um, and or any of those, those IG tags or TikTok uh, tags that I've talked about. Perfect. 100% recommend that follow. Um, this guy is on another level. Uh, it's been an honor to share this moment with you this time, your, your systems, your strategies. Um, I could live in this all day, (laughs) but, uh, just wanted to give you a quick appreciation before jumping into our final question, um, that everything you are doing, uh, and the way you're doing it more so um, is noticed, appreciated, and I wish and hope more business owners start adopting this mentality of endless evolution, never-ending growth, having those realistic conversations of just addressing the reality of our circumstance rather than trying to live in this like glory era of a couple years ago we all keep wanting to like well that's what i was good at (laughs) and you're really just shattering breaking through that um and doing it in a meaningful and really impactful way so i just have to give you the proper acknowledgement and appreciation it is noticed thank you sir sir. oh man well we got one last question the rest was very nerdy system strategy and stuff but there's one listener that's here They might be starting out or they might just be stuck taking it to the next level. What final words of advice or motivation do you have to send them into beast mode? I'm going to, I'm going to maybe fear monger a little bit. What I will say is, is that if you're stuck, I want you to challenge yourself because I have a saying and the saying is, the middle is where you go to die. So choose to be a bottom feeder or choose to be the best or the most expensive. And I can almost guarantee you'll see a change. Trying to be in the middle will never, will really be tough. I'm not saying that no one can do it, but I'm going to say it's tough. Choose one or the other and and really work around that and challenge yourself to be focused on doing that and I think that is really the key to success. I think the key to success is is really getting comfortable with this idea, not being um, everything to everyone. I think it's really important for you to understand how how opportunistic that market is, and also even in just your life, right? You want to be mediocre, like if you want to be mediocre, then stay in the middle. But challenge yourself. You either be a bottom feeder, you're a grinder, or you're going to be the best. You just choose, but don't be don't be mediocre. You got it. You got to do that in your life. You got to do that in your business. You got to do that in your service. You got to do that in your learning. You got to look at it that way. So just choose. Be at one end and just own it. Boom. And there it is. Ladies and gentlemen, thank you for listening to the B2Beast podcast. This has been Nathan Young.
You're a beast. 